if a stranger came up to you and asked you how heavy your periods were, and by the way, do you ever have anal sex? You could justifiably respond, it's none of your goddamn business. Gynecologists have the unique position that these personal, invasive, and otherwise inappropriate questions are our business, literally. But the one personal question that's standard when you go to the gynecologist that seems appropriate, but in reality is completely meaningless and makes me crazy is, are you sexually active? Are you kidding? In this episode, I'm going to tell you about my visit with Dr. Ruth Westheimer and why your doctor would be much better off taking her approach. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. When it comes to menopause, midlife, and what comes after, I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. If women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information. It's the rare healthcare professional that asks if you're able to have an orgasm or if your libido's in the toilet. But it is pretty much a guarantee that the one question that is universally asked is, are you sexually active? The truth is it's not clear to most patients why doctors ask this. Do they want to know if you need contraception? Are they asking to determine if you'd like a screen for sexually transmitted infections? Do they want to know if you're having any sexual problems? I was recently talking to a friend and she mentioned she'd had terrible pain the last time she tried to have intercourse and so had avoided sex for at least a year, maybe more. My friends tell me things like that a lot. To be honest, perfect strangers, once they find out what I do for a living, tell me things like that a lot. And sometimes if I'm not around, they even tell my husband and he's not a doctor. Go figure. So anyway, I said to her, did you mention it to your gynecologist? And she said, no, didn't really come up. I know who her doctor is, and she's a really good gynecologist. So I was a little surprised and said, really? She didn't ask about sex at all? And she said, well, they had me fill out a form. And one of the questions was, are you sexually active? And I checked off, no, because I'm not. I haven't had sex for over a year. And I said, yeah, but don't you want to have sex? And aren't you and your husband doing other things? And she said, well, of course we are. But I didn't think that's what I was being asked. Okay. So here's someone who isn't having intercourse because it hurts, but is actually having a lot of sex, just not penetrative sex. Yet according to her medical questionnaire, she's simply not having sex. And instead of being the beginning of a discussion of what was going on and why she was avoiding intercourse, it was the end of the discussion and assumed to be a topic that was not relevant to this woman. So where does this meaningless conversation stopping question come from? Asking if someone is sexually active is a standard entry question that medical students and doctors are taught to ask. It's the standard question that's on most electronic medical records. And as an aside, very often that question is in the same category as cigarette smoking, alcohol consumption, and not wearing a seatbelt, implying that being sexually active is a nasty habit that will not end well. But are you sexually active is a completely meaningless question. First of all, what does sexually active even mean? Does sexually active only refer to intercourse? Does it include oral sex, masturbation, anal sex? Let me run through some examples of things that would make someone check off the box that says, no, no, I'm not sexually active. A woman may check off, no, I'm not sexually active because she recently broke up with her partner when he moved to Venezuela. So no, she is not having sex right now, but hopes to really soon, like maybe that night if things go well on her date. And she would really like to be offered the option of STI screening. A woman may check off, no, I'm not sexually active if she's not 
able to have sex because it hurts too much, but she would like to. She may say, no, I'm not sexually active, even if she's having sex every single day with Bob, as in Bob, her battery-operated boyfriend. And recently, she's been unable to have an orgasm, even with old, reliable Bob. And she'd really like to discuss it, but she assumes that sexually active does not include sex with herself. A woman may say, no, I'm not sexually active because she assumes the only reason you're asking is because you want to know if she needs contraception or maybe sexually transmitted infection testing. And since her partner is a woman and contraception is irrelevant, she says no, even though she has a lot of sex and has some issues she's concerned about. A woman may say, no, I'm not sexually active because she and her partner rely on oral sex for mutual satisfaction because he's not able to maintain an erection. And she assumes that oral sex is not what you mean by sex, even though he has avoided giving her oral sex lately. And she thinks she has a funky odor and is worried about how she tastes and would really like to discuss it, but isn't sure how to bring it up. And her doctor is not going to bring it up because according to her medical record, she's not having sex. A woman may say, no, I'm not sexually active because she avoids sex. Maybe because she has a fear of urinary or stool incontinence during sexual activity. Maybe her partner won't wear a condom and she's terrified she's going to end up with a sexually transmitted infection. Maybe because her back pain is so bad that she can't even think about sex or had a recent heart attack and is afraid that if she comes, she's going to go. You get the idea. There are no end of reasons that someone might simply say, no, I'm not sexually active. When in fact, the real answer is, I would like to, but. And some women are just embarrassed and don't want to talk about sexual concerns with her doctor, who is accompanied by the 12-year-old medical student that she's pretty sure went to high school with her son. I gave a lecture to a group of medical students last week about sexual medicine and probably spent way too much time on this, but I did make a huge point of saying that they should never rely on that question on someone's electronic medical record and when taking a sexual history should never themselves start a conversation with the words, are you sexually active? Instead, I suggested to them that they use phrases like, are you satisfied with your sexual function? Or many women have sexual concerns such as low libido, pain with sexual activity, pain with penetration, or have trouble having an orgasm. Are any of those a concern for you? And do you have a need for contraception or would you like STI testing? That way, Not only will the patient know why they are asking the question, but it's an indication that they may actually be able to help with sexual concerns. And then there's the Dr. Ruth approach. I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Ruth last year when my husband and I were invited to her home by a mutual friend. We walked into her apartment and she greeted us with a warm hug, welcomed us to her home, and then without missing a beat said, do you have good sex? I was slightly taken aback. I mean, she was Dr. Ruth, but I'd never met her before. And I was uncharacteristically stunned into silence. But nothing phases my husband, Jason. And he immediately said, yes, we do. And she responded, I'm so glad. I've always wondered what she would have said if he said, no, we have terrible sex. I'm not suggesting that you should greet future visitors to your home with that question. Dr. Ruth can get away with it, but most people would probably not only tell you it's none of your business, but would never come to your house again. But my point is, doctors and other healthcare professionals would be well served to take the Dr. Ruth approach and simply ask, do you have good sex? As opposed to, are you sexually active? 
And while I'm on the topic of Dr. Ruth, she is one of the most fascinating people I have ever met. Talk about engaged and relevant. 95 years old and her dining room table was stacked with book manuscripts in progress, correspondence and ongoing projects. And if you've not read her last book, The Doctor is In, Dr. Ruth on Love, Life and Joie de Vivre, I highly recommend it. The part about her being a sniper in the Israeli army is alone worth the read. And she brags that even today, she can load a Sten automatic rifle in a single minute blindfolded. Back to why most doctors don't ask about your libido if you have pain with sexual activity or have trouble having an orgasm. In other words, do you have good sex? They don't ask because they don't want to go there. They really only do want to know if you need contraception or STI testing. It's not because they're embarrassed. Doctors ask embarrassing questions all the time. It's because if you do say something along the lines of, I'm so glad you asked, sex really hurts, or my libido's in the toilet, or I used to have orgasms just fine, and now I can't, they will likely have no response other than, I'm sorry, or even worse. That happens when you get older, accept it. No doctor is going to ask a question that they don't have the expertise to answer. And if you are the one to bring it up, more often than not, they'll change the subject. So what are you supposed to do? Well, for starters, when you see that question on a form, don't answer it. Just leave it blank. Hopefully someone will ask you verbally. If it was me, I wouldn't respond, well, that's a meaningless, ridiculous question. I don't know what you mean by that, but you're probably nicer and less confrontational than I am. So a better response is, why are you asking? Or think of it as an opportunity to say something along the lines of, well, I'm between partners and not currently having sex, but generally I'm very sexually active. Or I'm not currently having sex because it's too painful. I would like to be having sex. Or simply say, you know, I have some sexual concerns I'd really like to discuss. You may get surprised and the physician or advanced practice nurse will be very helpful and willing to discuss your dry vagina, the fact that you pee on your partner every time you have intercourse, or your total lack of libido. But if they're clearly not willing or able to answer your questions, it is perfectly reasonable to then say, do you have someone to refer me to who can help me? And hopefully they will, but a lot of times they won't which is why a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't ask me for a recommendation of a menopause doctor or a sexual medicine doctor in whatever town or city they live in. Way back in episode 46, I went through the specifics of how to find someone who's an expert. And I have a chapter on it in every one of my books, but it's still the most common question I get. So while I really think you should listen to that episode or read that chapter, I'm going to give you the short answer. The short answer is the Menopause Society has a list of certified menopause practitioners. So you go to menopause.org and on the home page, you go to the top bar and click for women. And under that, find a menopause practitioner and then put in your zip code. But here's where it gets a little confusing. There are two designations. Category one are certified menopause practitioners. If someone's a certified menopause practitioner of the Menopause Society, it means they've taken a written exam, a really hard exam, about menopause, hormone therapy, and midlife health. In order to keep up and maintain that certification, a clinician needs to take a certain number of continuing medical education courses every single year. Advanced practice nurses and physician assistants are also eligible to take the test and be designated as certified menopause practitioners. 
A NAM certified practitioner has not only the interest, but generally the expertise to evaluate and treat any of your menopausal issues, including the sexual ones. It's no guarantee that you'll get an expert, but it's a good start. Category two are NAMS members. They're on the list too. Those are clinicians who join NAMS. Anyone could be a NAMS member if they pay their dues. And while it's a pretty good bet that someone who joins NAMS has an interest in menopause, there's no way to know if they have expertise, attend the meetings, read the journals, and are knowledgeable, or simply just wrote a check to be a NAMS member. So when you do your search, check certified menopause practitioner. If no one pops up in your area, then go back and look for NAMS members. But while the Menopause Society is a good place to start, lots of women live in areas where there's just no certified menopause practitioners, or if they do find someone, their next available appointment is like in 10 years. And a lot of the best experts don't take insurance. I've also had a lot of women contact me to say that they didn't have a great experience with whoever they saw. As I said, it's a good starting place, and the majority of clinicians listed on the site are quite good, but it's no guarantee. So the other approach is to go the telemedicine route. My go-to is MIDI Health. MIDI's a virtual care midlife clinic. Every single clinician is trained and has expertise in all aspects of perimenopause and menopause. They know what they're doing. And an initial appointment is 30 minutes as opposed to the 15 minutes that you generally get in most offices. And here's the best part. They take insurance and they're now in all 50 states. If your medical situation requires an in-person visit, MIDI partners with physicians and healthcare systems and can facilitate an appointment. Most telehealth menopause platforms don't take insurance, and some are basically online pharmacies. At MIDI, you get a prescription that you take to your pharmacy, just like if you went to a brick-and-mortar doctor's office. I recommend them so highly that I'm now working with them as their medical director of patient education and community outreach. I'll be doing regular free webinars that are open for anyone to join, even if you're not a MIDI patient. So follow me on social media if you want to attend those webinars. But if you do choose to go to your regular primary care doctor or gynecologist, it helps to have some information about what's going on so that if all else fails, you can just ask for what you need, whether it's a prescription for a medication, a referral to pelvic floor physical therapy, or a referral to a sex therapist. And my new book, Put the O Back in Mojo, available for pre-order, will answer all your questions about why your libido is non-existent, why you can no longer have an orgasm, and most important, what to do about it. And by the time you finish reading it, you'll know more than most doctors, way more. So, do you have good sex? In the words of Dr. Ruth, life is too short to have bad sex. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. See the light.
Don't see those who wait.